Welcome to Interlocutor Interviews. I'm Tyler Nessler, the founder of Interlocutor Magazine, which features in-depth coverage of activists, creators, thinkers, performers, and artists of all types. You can check us out online at interlocutorinterviews.com. And if you're a fan of our arts coverage, you can sign up to be a subscriber or contributor via Patreon. Uh, Just click on the Patreon link on our site. So today I've got with me the street and graffiti artist Kid Lou, who is back with the podcast for round two. Uh, we first talked a few months ago and we covered a whole lot of ground. Um, but he's lived a big life and he's got a lot of stories. And so we both knew we had to go for a second round and talk some more. So welcome back, Kid Lou. How's it going, my friend? My brother, it's great to be back. Thanks again, man. Yeah. Here, here we are again. Right? I know. <laughs> uh, well, you know, in our first talk, we did get a lot into your upbringing and, um, you know, how you got into graffiti and street art. Um, we talked about your, your cool grandma who, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Fred. I don't Fred. know if I mentioned that last oh, time. Oh, no, I don't think so. Fred. That was, she went by Fred? So, <laughs> yeah, no, well, well, she did after I got, <laughs> after I had to say. So, uh, as a kid, you know, again, getting back to the cartoons. So I was big into the Flintstones. Right. And uh, she would stay a lot at the house. She didn't live there, but she would visit a lot. She, you know, again, like when she was living in Rigo Park, she'd be around all the time. Then she moved to Jersey, then to Pennsylvania. But when, even when she was in Jersey and Pennsylvania, she would come out on the weekends. She would help my mom out, do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and she'd be around. And so she had this, <laughs> this habit of, of deciding when it was time for me to get up. <laughs> and she'd come in and nag in a good way, but still nagging. And then, you know, uh, as cool as she was, uh, she still had this little, this little edge to her. And I don't know, her height just, I nicknamed her Fred from Fred Flintstone. <laughs> and what's funny is years later, uh, grown up years later, her brother, my uncle George comes and visits with, uh, my aunt, his wife. And one day we're sitting at the dining room table and I'm yelling out to Fred in the kitchen uh, that we need some napkins. And because uh, she, she said, do we need anything? I said, yeah, Fred, we need some napkins. And my aunt's across the table asking me, why are you yelling at Fred? He's sitting right here. <laughs> and I go, what, what are you talking about? It turns out for all these years, she, my aunt called my uncle, George, Fred, <laughs> her brother. <sighs> And I called my grandmother Fred, and nobody knew wow. that they both were nicknamed. The universe, man. <laughs> the universe. Steve, it's weird. That's yeah. weird, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to mention to listeners, so um, <clears throat> for every podcast episode I do, I'm going to put up a page on the Interlocutor site, um, and I'll put up a page for this one. And I'll link um, to our first interview for people who want to listen um, to get the full the full picture. Um, because yeah, uh, you, we did get into how you, as a, as a little kid, you started, um, you know, drawing cartoon characters that you saw, like, you know, especially Disney, mm-hmm. um, on drinking cups and, you know, various other places. And then you were inspired by graffiti art that you saw <clears throat> in the trains, yep. you know, this is like seventies, eighties, New York. Um, and then, uh, and then, so then, uh, you were involved as an adolescent with a couple of crews, right? One was a skater crew and one was a music crew, right? Yeah. So just kind of recap. Yeah. So the quick recap is with the, with the music crew, 
the backwards hat gang. We'd oh. ride around on our BMX bikes and write Ozzy all over the walls. Yeah. We'd tag Ozzy everywhere. And with the skater crew, uh, TPG, the peanut gallery, you right. know, thanks to Fred, you know, <laughs> saying yeah. what's up with the peanut gallery. Right. And we would draw peanuts everywhere. And, uh, yeah. Kind of two separate, totally different worlds. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of like, yeah. And then, and then, so from there, and then that's when you got kind of into, you know, do, uh, putting up pieces on walls, right. Um, out on strong Island, right. Where you grew up. So, so this is where the, there's a point when a transition happens. And, uh, so, so when parents get divorced, we move. But before that happens, uh, I don't think my parents, cause they were so involved with their separation, divorce going on. Yeah. You know, this is between, this starts happening around the age of 13. Uh, my grandmother, I think, kind of knew that I was doing something, but not necessarily what. Um, but, uh, so, so <laughs> this is where it kind of catches up to me. I'd say around, uh, the age, probably around the age of 14, right? And that, that, Gap, um, 13, 14, going around riding Ozzy everywhere, getting stoned all the time. Uh, that, that's a whole nother. Um, but anyway, I had my, my one buddy, uh, we would, Tom, we, we would get stoned all the time and, uh, go out into the courtyard. We lived in a cul-de-sac. So we would go out into the courtyard and play. Like we lived in the cool street because it was cul-de-sac. No cars came around. We'd block it off. Yeah. Um, all the kids would come in and play. But we had this next door neighbor who had two girls. Uh, we were three boys, my brothers, me and my brothers. And, uh, and another, they would always call the cops on us for playing in the street. Right. Yeah. On a cul-de-sac. In a cul-de-sac. And we had a neighbor who would, so we used to break a lot of windows playing baseball. So we had a neighbor that finally, he played tennis, this retired guy. He gives us all these tennis balls. He goes, guys, maybe this will help you out. He didn't give a shit. We broke his windows. We'd offer to pay out of our paper money. And he was like, I got more money. Don't worry about it. Take these tennis balls. But they'd still call the cops. And, 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 uh, one day, one, one time at band camp, me and Tom were out there and we were hitting, uh, tennis balls. We, we were stoned. We were hitting tennis balls, uh, with tennis rackets. Pitch, you know, like pitching to each other, smacking them. And the next door neighbor's wife, she's out there and she, she's yelling and screaming. If, if you don't stop, I'm going to call the cops. So I don't know if you see that movie, uh, Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks and he takes a tennis ball and he whaps it and he's like, home run. He hits the ball. <laughs> I decided let's aim for her ass. So we start racking tennis balls in her direction. And slow motion, one, it looks like slow motion. One of these tennis balls go mid, flying in the air, smacks her in the ass. She starts yelling and screaming, you broke my ass at all. <laughs> so, so she calls the cops. The cops come. The cops tell us, go inside, play. Just go out. We go, we decide we're going to my backyard. We smoke more. We get more stoned. We come out. The neighbor with the tennis balls is laughing his ass off because he saw this all going on because she's yelling at the cops. I want them arrested. They broke my ass. My ass is broken. I can't sit down. That's like, literally what she was saying. Yeah. My ass cops, is broken. The cop's sitting there trying not to laugh. He's like, guys, just go inside. 
There's, this cop knew us. It's like, you know, it's like Nassau County cops. It's like the same cops come. It's like routine. She's yelling and screaming. So that night, we decided we had enough of her shit, and it's time to get even. So we get stoned again. See a pattern here, right? We get stoned. Tom goes to his sister's makeup drawer. This isn't, <laughs> sounds funny, but goes and steals red nail polish. Uh-huh. We go back to my house. It's dark. It's night. It's probably like 11 o'clock, midnight. We sneak out the side, go around. My neighbor's brand new white caddy. We decide to paint Ozzy in red nail polish with a red cross and drip the nail polish down the back of the trunk. We thought that was a good idea. (laughs) We're stoned off our ass. We're fucking laughing our asses off. We think this is a fucking great idea. (laughs) The next morning, the the neighbor comes. He's ringing the doorbell. He's yelling. He's screaming. Your kid fucked up my brand new caddy. Blah, blah, blah. Me, I keep my mouth shut. I'm like, I got nothing to do with this. My parents like, he's saying got nothing to do with it. They call Tom's parents. Well, his parents, born again Christians, they knock it out of him. Oh, yeah, they went and painted on the brand new caddy. I was like, oh, there goes the fucking neighborhood. That is how I got caught doing graffiti. Wow. Well, that's a, <clears throat> that's a pretty epic way to get caught. <laughs> <laughs> we, not only that, we let the air out of, the four, out of all four tires. <laughs> so now the next day, that day, his dad and my dad are out there getting trying to get with i guess i guess they use nail polish remover or some shit getting the getting the nail polish off the white caddy and then they go and they take the tires off and one by one are going and getting the tires filled they put the spare on. i'm 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 sitting out like a wise ass laughing going wouldn't it be easier to just go get an air compressor and just, and, yeah my dad didn't take highly to that <laughs> I think I might have gone through a wall or two after that one. And then I couldn't see Tom. That was it. That was, that was you know, <laughs> that, was, that was like the, the so, you guys are not hanging out again. But what happened to you? But he was part, was he part of the group that was, you were already putting up Aussie around, right? Yeah. So, but you just kept hanging out with the other people. Oh, no, I was banned from hanging out with everybody. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So. And it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't too long after that. Uh. The divorce goes through and we moved. I mean, I stayed in the same school, but we moved the town over. So gotcha. it was like, you know, quote unquote, made new friends. Yeah. You know, and got heavier into skateboarding because guy across the kid across the street skated, kid down the block skated. So it kind of like played itself out. But so, so at that point, I'm still doing the peanut gallery stuff. But now there's, now I've got spare time for myself. And that's when kind of the halos thing starts to evolve. All right. Yeah. Because now I'm by myself. There was no other crew. It was just like either hang out with TPG or just do my own thing. Because I was banned from <laughs> hanging out with the Backwoods Hack crew and writing Ozzy all over town. So talk talk again. You had mentioned this in the first one, but um, how you got the name Halos. Because it was also Fred, your grandma, right? Fred saying, <laughs> Fred saying, what are you up to? And I say, I'm, I'm good. She's like, yeah. I'm, yeah. She's, she's like smirking, saying, yeah, yeah, you look good. I go, yeah, don't you see my halos? She say, yeah, I see your crooked halos. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, that's good. If I put a Z on it instead of yeah. swap the S for a Z, I'm onto something. Yeah. And then you said you actually put up crooked halos for a while. And then you just dropped the word crooked. Yeah. It's just, it's just quicker. Took too long. <laughs> took too long. Yeah. 
And then also adding the Z to the end too. Yeah. That's kind of like almost your trademark now. Phonetics, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't say halos. It says halos. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. So you got that. Um, and then uh, you had a whole period in the 90s where you were mostly involved in music. I mean, you, you went upstate, right? Uh, at, for, for college, at yeah. high school, right? Yeah. And that's when you got also involved in music. Yeah. And then you were, you were kind of in the music scene for a lot of the 90s. Um, and was it various bands, uh, you know, different acts? Um, and, uh, I don't think we got a whole lot into this in the first, in the first, uh, talk, but you never had any kind of real breakthrough. You have some close calls, you know, in the industry, but it never really kind of took off. Right. So in the, so, so in the early nineties, uh, 91, I came back home and, uh, I was just hanging out with a, uh, an old high school buddy that I would play, you know, in cover bands with. And this guy had gone off to Berkeley and, you know, did the whole music route. Right. You know, um, I still played while I was up there. I played in cover bands and dabbled a few originals here and there, but it was really just for partying and just hanging out and, you know, doing the local scene. When I come home, he's like, I want to put a band together with you guys. Some of the guys that, you know, that we knew from, from over the years. And I said, I was like, all right, that's cool. I mean, I was, it was kind of weird because I was like, dude, you're like a Berkeley head. Like you're, <laughs> you know. And he's like, no, man, you know, I want a bass player. I need a bass player. You're the guy. I was like, all right, let's do this. So we just did it. It wasn't like, oh, audition. And, if you know, it was just like, we're just going to do this. I was like, that's cool. You yeah. know, so, so I started doing that. Um, after, after, I'd say a year or two, uh, I got the itch. I was like, this is, this, I, you know, this, I could do this, but not with these guys, you know, mm -hmm. um, I think stylistically it was just 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 in general it wasn't going to happen with these guys mm -hmm. so um so i started doing the uh the village voice route back then you know the village voice was the paper right uh where musicians everybody put ads in the back yeah people looking for sex people <laughs> looking for anything and everything would go in the back in the village voice yeah uh so i started responding to ads in backs of papers and uh just started band hopping yeah. You know, um, one, with one band, you know, we, we, we did a bunch of stuff for doing the, the, um, I'd say the low level circuit scene. Like we were playing like Kenny's Castaways, Continental, CBGBs, The Limelight. Um, this is going to sound funny. So back when I was a kid, I was always smoking, getting high and doing drugs and everything. And I was like, when I was with these guys, not so much, but these guys were, these guys were like the total, huh. they wanted to be like the total stoner band. <laughs> So I was like, this isn't going to go too far. So I got out of that, again, Village Voice, jumped into another band. Uh, we had a spec deal uh, with a couple of labels, um, recorded uh, with in, uh, in Diddy's studio once huh. with an uh, engineer from Trent, you know, Trent Reznor's Nine Inch Nails, guy yeah. that worked with him. I can't remember this guy's name now. But, um, but Demo did stuff with that. Uh, went on the road, opened up with Joan Jett, did touring because one of our managers was a guitar player and uh -huh. then another guy was a manager. Uh, that band went as far as it could. Same thing. It's like, you know, you get spec deals, but nobody signed you. There's a certain point where you go, this isn't going to happen. Go back to the Village Voice again. It was like the Bible of like, yeah. of like you know, personal ads for musicians. Uh, 
I don't know which oh got into another band that um uh we had a deal well no they had a deal on um they were on Interscope Records so that that I actually just auditioned three days later I was on the road touring with them yeah wow and then they got dropped go on to the next project uh a band we got signed to columbia records we recorded half an album demoed we were were doing like we're like playing don hills every week on thursday nights uh because the label would come down the the room would be packed um you know showcasing the music Mm -hmm. you know our a and r guy would be there um Eventually, the A&R guy decides he's going to go to Arista Records. He leaves, the band gets dropped, and he couldn't take us to Arista with him. So yeah. it was stuff, I mean, there's so many more, you know, not no, to bore you in the listeners, but there, there was a lot of stuff yeah. like that was just like, you know, I was involved with the band on Mercury, Interscope, <laughs> um, so this is like Columbia. All through, <clears throat> you know, all through the 90s, pretty much. All through the 90s, up until... Uh, 2001 yeah the problem was then at that point you know uh towards the towards the latter part of the 90s i started getting into bands that were on the more serious and i think you know we're, we're signed to major labels or touring with bands on major labels and you're always partying you're always going out to dinners you're always going to all the hip lounges like this was like this is like the beginning but not really of like what the hotel bar scene is Back then, it was like all these like velvet rope lounges yeah. where it's like you had to be somebody or know somebody or be in the industry to get into these places. And with that comes, you know, a lot of alcohol and a lot of drugs. Yeah. You go on the road. Right. What do you do when you're on the road? <laughs> <laughs> you drink and party. So 2001, it caught up to me and I said, you know, when, when the last band that I was working with on Sony Records, when that wasn't going anywhere... I, you know, it was, it was a decision to just leave the industry and get clean. And now were you, you know, doing, um, like throughout this whole period when you were in these various bands, were you still doing any kind of art? Were you drawing or were you, uh, like doing any kind of visual art? I'd say just yeah. on the side? Or? Yeah, I'd say, yeah, no, you know, I wasn't doing the whole graffiti thing. Um, were you sketching or it, it was, you know, for certain bands, like I would do the band flyers. I would do, yeah. you know, um, for some of the more indie bands, I would design the merch, design the logos. When we recorded and we were putting cassettes together or CDs, I'd do the jacket artwork, stuff like that. So I was yeah. doing some creative, creative directive stuff, whether it was I was drawing the stuff, putting it together, doing the layout, the type, you know, um, sometimes just flat out drawing stuff. Yeah. So, so I, so, so in a sense, yeah, I was doing, you know, artistic stuff. Well, you weren't kind of thinking of it as your main thing. Not like now. Yeah. Uh, Also, so like, what did people call you back then? (laughs) What name did you go by? So this is funny. So, (laughs) so back when, you know, obviously with the peanut gallery, it wasn't like, it wasn't like your peanut one, your peanut two. There were no, it was just like everybody knew everybody by everybody's real names. Yeah. And then, you know, with the backwards hack gang, same thing. It was like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, uh, you know, I, I said, 
uh, reservoir dogs, right? right yeah, it's it? reservoir dogs. Yeah, Mr. Right. Pink. Yeah, Mr. right. So it wasn't like that where yeah. it's like, you know, brown hat, black hat, pink hat. It was just, you know, everybody <laughs> by their real names until I started getting into, uh, you know, the graffiti thing. But the funny thing is, is um, here's Fred again. Uh, she, when I, when I was, when I was uh, probably around, you know, 15, 16, she shows up with this sign one day. I don't know, I'm trying to remember what it was, but, but she shows up with this sign and it's like, it's on my bedroom door. And it says, yeah. and it says, it's a plastic, it's like a parking sign, but it says, kids at play. And we had, well, we, my brother, my older brother had this little like, uh, Lassa Apsa dog. Um, so I took, I did this little paint drawing like a paintbrush drawing like ink and uh of the dog and i put it over the s so the sign now just said kid at play yeah <laughs> you know and for a moment i i used to think like oh shit there's that band kid and play no nah, i was like kid at play <laughs> um but what's so funny is is um during the whole music scene uh I say because I was blessed with these wonderful young youthful looks, but all these people would always refer to me as kid. Yeah. People would just call me kid. Like, yo kid, what's up? Hey kid. I was like, that's, that's kind of weird, but I just go with it. And every, it was just this weird, it was like the universe, right? It's like, it's like the two friends. It's like kid. And, and, um, Bandmates, band members would call me kid. So if they wanted to like come get you, they just say go like like uh hey hey go get kid. Yeah, go, go <laughs> yeah go get the kid. Go the get kid. kid. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like it's like people call yo dude yo man yeah yo kid. <laughs> it's like it was like did this and this just carried over from like band to band that you were in. It just carried on in the universe. Like I would go out to bars. How'd you introduce yourself to people? Not as kid. <laughs> not as kid. I, I would introduce, I would give him my real name, but not as kid. Yeah. <laughs> but people would still be like, yo, kid, I'd show up at a bar even after I met people somebody. People who hadn't heard that before, they would just say that? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. People like like band members, I'd go like everywhere. I'd go, I'd, I'd be working a job and you'd be like, yo, kid, you got that? <sighs> I got it. It was this weird thing. Yeah. It was just. And you didn't have, like, it didn't seem to bother you at all, right? Like, you just went with it. I just went with it. Yeah, yeah. because some it wasn't people like. Mean, you know, some people might be like, don't call me kid. I'm not a kid. You know? Oh, right, 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 <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or, or, you know, yeah, it wasn't, I didn't take it as like this, you know, big derogatory thing. It was right. just, it was just this weird thing. Yeah. And so uh, what happened was, uh, so I went back to school. Uh, for, uh, toy, for toy for, design. Yeah, for toy design at FIT. And I end up uh, dating one of the girls in this program. And she too starts calling me kid. Now, I don't know because we used to go to Kid Robot. Like at this point, you know, I'm going to Kid Robot, you know, to see what they're up to. You know, I'm going to different stores to see what's up with McFarlane, et cetera. So she was into like that whole thing also. Um, cause she was into like the whole like Barbie doll thing and she like what Kid Robot did. So I don't know if that, if she, if that's why she did it, I never asked her, but she just one day 
just started referring to me as Kid Lou. <laughs> Lou being my last name. Yeah. yeah. So and people don't know that. People be like, where's, where's the Lou come from? I'm like, oh, I just picked it up off a post. And not <laughs> <laughs> so, so she starts introducing me to people as Kid Lou. And I just, it just, just went. It just started going. Wow. All right. So she kind of was the originator of the Kid Lou moniker. That would probably be yeah. the first time that somebody <laughs> outright called me Kid Lou. Yeah. Whereas for years prior, and these are people she never met. Like she never met any of the people I was in band with, you know, yeah, going right, all the way back right. to like 91. Yeah. Or even prior when my grandmother put that sign on my, on my bedroom door. You know, um, in fact, I took that sign with me up to Rochester and put it on that bedroom door because we had a townhouse. And that's probably why people up there were calling me kid. They'd come <laughs> to parties, they'd come to the apartment, they'd see and they'd be like, yo, kid, what's up? It's just. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, since I've gotten to know you, uh, you know, you like to kid around too. Right. <laughs> like, talk a little bit of shit, you know, but, uh, in a, in, you know, in a good natured way, but yeah, that kind of plays into, you know, kidding around. Yeah. Kid Lou. Yeah. Um, so for toy design, um, talk a little bit about kid robot. Cause I don't think everybody is familiar with like what kid robot is, was, you know, um, and that was a big influence that stylistically on what you wanted to do with toy design. Right. Yeah, well, it definitely had had a play in it to some degree. Um, so, Kid Robot, um, I would say, is at least the way I see it. Some other people might have different thoughts, but there was there was a whole vinyl game going on uh, for years uh, in in the world, like in Japan where there were designers or over in Asia, where there were designers that would like refabricate G.I. Joe dolls, hmm. you know, take a head off one and arm off the other. And it became this thing. And I thought back in the day, I thought, dude, what fucking kid didn't do that? Like, especially like my younger brother huh. was into like, the like we were into the WWF, but when he came up, you know, we got a little older. He came up. That's when like all the dolls came out with the wrestling ring. And like where I played with G.I. Joe's and Evil Knievel dolls, he played with the wrestling dolls. And when dolls would get fucked up, I would help him fix it. But if one, if the arm broke off of one, I'd go take the arm off of one that he didn't like so much and put it on that one. So he'd have like <laughs> two different arms, but the doll still worked. Yeah. But this guy. Like Frankensteining the, the toys. Right. <laughs> Turns out years later, this becomes a thing. And these dolls become worth thousands of dollars. And I'm thinking, holy shit, where's that box of toys? Where's, where's my brother's toys? <laughs> like, so, so I think that led to, you know, the vinyl game, what I would call the vinyl game at this point. And that's Kid Robot. So Kid Robot, um, I'd say like even Tristan Eaton, uh, is, you know, quote unquote, one of the godfather designers because he designed the money doll. He designed the Dunny doll. Um, uh, and there's a couple other guys I think had their hands in, but he was like the main guy who designed the platforms. Be a platform toy, uh, for listeners is that it's, it's, a, it's a basic shape and you, you can buy it in white and people, people customize it. You know, the customizing game became a huge thing or oh, okay. you could get, or they would get different artists to do their own paint designs on the on the doll 
on a vinyl figure, but it was the same exact shape. So for okay. manufacturing purposes, it's cheaper. But if you just put paint jobs on it, you know, yeah. you could sell it over and over because you've got all these different artists involved. So when I saw that, I thought, wow, I'd love to be involved with that. It's its own private little Idaho. It's its own <laughs> private club. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Um, I knew a lot of players in the game. I knew a lot of players, you know, people that designed, you know, figures that did the customizing that were involved in it. And uh, you're in, you're in, you're not, you're not. Huh. So. Do you feel like it was even more kind of, it sounds like it was even more exclusive than trying to break into music. I think, you know. More, I don't know, clickish or clubby. Yeah, I don't want to diss anybody because, you know. I get it. Like, I get what, I get what happens, you know. It's going to happen anywhere, right? However, uh, it, to me, it was very clicky. It was very, if you're in, you're in. If you're not, you're not. What kind of, uh, so were you developing characters, though? And, you know, I mean, you must have been building toys and, you know, uh, things like that at, the, at that time and trying to show your work and, you know, get it out there. Right. Well, what I did, so so at this point, you know, I'm in the program, and when I had time, uh, I would do customizations, because I'm thinking that's going to be the easiest way to get in, because I'm not a well-known artist, you know, or I'm not, you know, established enough to, uh -huh. to, to get them to say, oh, yeah, let's get Kid Lou to do a version, and we'll put it out there. Uh, to me, it was more like they do these customizing shows, and- other stores did them too. It wasn't just Kid Robot, but Kid Robot like would do their customizing shows and people would flock to them and buy the stuff. And I'm thinking if I could customize and customizing didn't mean just uh, painting, like you could hack it up, cut it up, yeah, you know, sculpt it, re-sculpt, paint, whatever. Um, so I tried that route also and I did a few things, uh, but not with them, you know, with, with some smaller smaller indie group like indie places indie stores when you were in school um for toy design did you have to do like a kind of like a thesis project like a final project oh yeah so what there was, was a bunch what actually was so well there was did a you try to use that also what you had done for school for that final project or those projects you know then to segue into the industry no you couldn't because fit owned the rights to those oh oh wow this yeah. is a whole other topic but yeah well the short of that is when you get into the program you know a lot of the people like the head teachers were in the industry worked for mattel or worked for yeah, toys r us sure. or worked for you know this company yeah. that company and you had all these different classes that were based around like you had a gaming class you had a plush class you had you know, hard toy, you know, you, you had all these different, you know, uh, projects. And at any time, if they liked something, they could take it and bring it to their company. And if it went to production, you were supposed to get a piece of it. I'll just stop there. Because <laughs> I, I definitely saw something I did a few years later, and I certainly didn't get a piece of the action. Wow, man. That Yeah, yeah that... that I had never heard of that before, yeah. um, you know, with, uh, toy design programs. And that also is really different than other arts programs too. I mean, I feel like in, you know, like fine arts programs, the paintings you make, the school doesn't own the paintings. Right. Right. You right. Can, no, absolutely not. It's a whole totally different 
dynamic. It's totally different dynamic. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that that's uh that's a shame because it sounds like yeah, you you had stuff then that was just taken. You couldn't yeah. do anything with. Yeah. So then you graduated the program like what year approximately? Oh five. Oh five, okay. Yeah. And then and then you you it sounds like you, you tried to hustle a little bit in the in the custom toy design world. Yeah. Right. And felt kind of, you know, like it was hard to break into. Now, yeah. so is it somewhere around this point? You got you got involved with ex vandals, right? Was well, that, that that comes later. Is that way later? That uh, it is a bit later. It's okay. it's uh, twenty twelve. Okay, yeah. all right. So then, what did you do after graduation, like uh, in terms of uh, creating artwork? So at that point, um, I got a job. It's almost like if you get through the program, you almost guaranteed a job. So I had a job. Um, in the Halloween industry, so I was doing <laughs> Halloween industry. Yeah, so I was that was pretty cool. The pace sucked, yeah. but but I was doing all this licensing stuff. So I was doing stuff based on Star Wars, Batman, DC, you know, um, Disney, Universal. Okay, you know, all sorts of. So were, were you working for a firm that did like focused on Halloween? Yeah, art. Yeah, or, you know, products. Yeah, costumes, and then mm -hmm. I do. So I would do. I would do accessories. I would do if they had um like different pals, you know, Halloween yeah. pals, trick or treat pals. Um, <laughs> if a costume needed an accessory, like a gun, a blade, or or yeah. you know, Star Wars, a lightsaber. Like I would yeah. design all that stuff. Okay. Based on the license, and then you know, we'd go to manufacturing, and so that was cool. It was like you know, getting paid to design stuff that. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's tied to some some pretty cool properties and licenses. Right, right. Yeah. Were you still trying to do your own designs on the side? Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So at this point, I'm I'm still trying to do the the customizing game. Yeah. Um. And and you know, I'm starting to paint a little bit. Not not going out doing murals, like actual like canvases. You okay. know. Um. But but for everybody to know, I can't paint for shit. <laughs> I I just can't paint for shit. Like I can rock a can, I can rock a mural, I can, you know, I can use you know paint markers, graffiti markers, all that. Yeah, yeah. Give me a paintbrush. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a shit show, give me a paintbrush. And, and <laughs> why do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, I guess because I wasn't formally taught. Yeah, yeah. You know, like when I went to school the first time, it was photography. Right. Go That's to school right. the second time, it's toy design. Yeah. So there's no, there's no fine art in that. Yeah. It's its own art. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. knock myself for anybody in the industry. It's it's it, that's its own art. Like there's people who paint masterfully, but they couldn't draw a car view. Paint them a million bucks. Like you know, it's it's a different. It's a different design. It's a different art field. You know? Yeah. So then let's uh, so then let's talk about then how you got back into street art and graffiti art fully um, at that point because so you had like five or so years sounds like you know doing this licensing work doing the the your your custom work on the side and then also sounded like you started doing murals again right right so I'd say around. 2007, uh, I started going and checking out Five Points. 
Yeah. Like at this point, right. so I'd say actually probably, I mean, 2005, when I get out, uh, you know, I'm working over in Jamaica, um, hanging out downtown Manhattan a lot. Uh, you know, not that I wasn't hanging out there before, um, especially during the music scene, but now I'm hanging out with a different purpose. You know, I'm hanging right. out, going to different events, you know, small galleries, uh, what I call, you know, when I say toy gallery, I don't mean like, like beginner chump gallery. I mean like they're like vinyl toy galleries, like little, like I was going up to all these cause I'm still trying to get in, get my foot in the door there. So I was, so I was going down and checking out all these spots and while doing so, I guess whatever reason, I, I just started noticing the graffiti more again. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, <clears throat> almost like it, be, it was becoming a prevalent thing again, at least in my mind. Um, so I'd say around the end of six, early seven, I start hanging around five points and I'm going there, I'm taking pictures. I'm just walking around. Yeah. And at one point, um, so I'd say around seven, getting all of my memory. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing some gallery stuff, little small gallery stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, how can I paint here? Yeah. And somebody told me, uh, you know, well, there's somebody that curates the walls here, you know, and most people respect them. They don't come and blast over them unless you piss somebody off, then they're going to come and fuck your piece up. But in general, you know, most people respect it, you know, cause, cause you're given the wall, you're given the spot. You can't just paint. If you just come and paint what I was, you know, what people say, oh, you get blacklisted, they'll bomb you. You'll never paint there again, you know, approach it the right way. And so, so I did. And I found somebody, I asked him and you just started letting me paint there. Now, are you talking about five points? Or are you talking about some other points? five points? You're talking about five points. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we got into, we got uh, more into five points uh, in the first, the first talk. Right. And, you know, for people who don't know, five points was a big complex in Queens, a warehouse complex um, that was like world famous for its graffiti art. Whole like ma massive scale, like on all kinds of work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a tourist attraction. And then there was this, you know, unfortunate thing that happened with the owner whitewashing it. And we talked, you know, for anybody who's interested, go back and listen to the first episode because we got more into that. And it was a, you know, pissed off a lot of people and it was, a, it was just a shit show. It sounds like and complete. Yeah. And you, you lost work and, uh, that was disillusioning. Um, um, but then, so when did, so going back to X Vandals, when did that, so first of all, I don't think we talked a whole lot about X Vandals. They're like a, like a OG crew, right? Like, yeah, I mean, much. as far as we're concerned, the first OG crew in New York, but all right. again, you'll have people say otherwise. And then you'll have people is like the whole, you know, Taki versus cornbread, cornbread from Philly, which came first, the chicken or the egg. And, <sighs> Cornbread will say, well, Philly came before New York. And I sit there and I go, well, you guys really want to get down. L.A. came before the East Coast because of all the Mexican trollers out there that were painting East L.A. So, this, you know, that's a whole nother day, a whole nother convo. But, um, but yeah, the X Vandals, OG crew, mad respect, mad respect. Um, and what happened was uh, I had met uh, Nick 707. God rest his soul. Rest in peace, brother. Um. He, I met him 
uh, at um, I met him at a crash show, uh, John Crash Matos show, um, uh, Toy Tokyo had where he did these guitars, and um, and like all these OG writers were there, and I have my black book and I'm hanging out and I meet Nick Seven O Seven and he asked me, you know, what's your name. And I said, Halos. And he's like, oh, man, I played Halos today. And he's meaning like the video game, you know, H-A-L-O-S. And I go, no, 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 it's H-A-L-O-Z. He goes, oh, yo, that's even better. And he's like, yo, you got to come and paint with us. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, okay. I kind of like blew him off. Like I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, we exchanged numbers. But um, but he's like, no, 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 you got to come and paint. You got to come and paint. You got to come and paint. And like, I'm, you know, I had my black book with me. You know, he hit it and... um. He seen some of my characters that I had in there. And he's like, oh, man, you got to come and you got to paint some of these. You got to come and hang out. He's all over it. And I was like, all right. <sighs> so I, I so I actually didn't go paint uh, for, for I don't know, so many weeks or whatever. And then one morning, it was like a Saturday, dead of winter. I mean, it was fucking cold out. He's calling and calling and calling. I had been out drinking the night before. I'm like all hungover. I'm like, what the hell? I answer. He's all up. He's like, yo, man, you got to come and paint today, man. We're all out. Lava's going to be there and Crane's going to be there. And I'm just like, what? He's like, you got no excuse. I go, yeah, man, I don't have any paint. He goes, you don't need paint. We got paint. You got to come down. I was like... It was almost like, I don't know if anybody out there knows, like, there used to be this electronic store called Crazy Eddie's. And oh, yeah. Crazy Eddie, and he's like, kind of, he's like, kind of legend in New York. Yeah. Right? And he's yeah. like, where prices are insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like he was like that first, I feel like he was like the first, he was like the, the influence, the human influence to one of those wacky blow up dolls where like the arms flap and the, the you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like used car lots, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Except he was a real guy. Yeah. And you're like, prices are insane. <laughs> like, so uh, I go and I paint. And and uh, it was him. Uh, right. Lava 1-2, God rest his soul. He was there. Um, Crane was there who who moderates the wall. Like, uh, he, he's, he gets the wall, the walls up there. Um, and then uh, uh, Clyde was there. Uh, who else was there? We might have been there, but it was like all these OG guys yeah. from the New York scene. So how, how was that like? I mean, what was that like for you? Because you hadn't, you know, like, you know, your, your days of, you know, putting up pieces on wells was way back in your adolescence, really. Yeah. And then suddenly you're, you're with these like legends. Yeah. Were you just like, and I actually, the, the funny thing is, is I, painted with them before I painted at five points. Like that got me to go. And I think it might've been Nick who was like, go talk to this guy. He does the, we paint at five points here and there. He goes, and that's, so it was weird on a couple of levels. Cause I hadn't painted in a, I mean, I, can't I hadn't painted in forever. And, yeah. and, you know, and it wasn't the greatest paint that they had. God rest not knocking on them. Is what you know, like I didn't show up with paint, so I used the left whatever they had. And um, so yeah, I hadn't painted in forever, and now I'm painting with these guys. Yeah. So it was like it was kind of like this, like whoa, okay, you know. It's and it was fucking freezing outside. Yeah. <laughs> so I, well, that also, um, I think I've, I've, you've talked about this before. When it gets below a certain temperature, it also affects like. 
the paint. Oh, the paint just runs. It doesn't stick to the wall. Yeah. Your hand yeah. gets all cold. You, you can't hold the can. So you were already, can't. you were in this like tough environment already with the weather. Yeah. And then you're with these legends. Yeah. And, but, but what I'm curious about, so you had, had all this time of not really like being able to kind of break through like with the music and then with the custom toy design, you know, right. and sort of feeling a little sidelined sounds like. And then suddenly you're just invited in. Right by this like these legends yeah which must have just blown your mind it just it just showed me the the community side of it if that makes sense so it's kind of like it's you know i mean you heard all these stories over the years about beefs about wars about crossing shit out people you know yeah people bombing over everybody's shit you know Who's, who's all city, who's the tough guy, who's this, who's that. You'd see it on the trains. And as you get older, you started to understand it more. Um, and now all these guys are hanging out. And it's all about, we just want to chill. We got legal walls. When I'm running from the cops, you know, huh. when I'm having to break into yards anymore. Yeah. You know, um, so it was cool. You know, these guys are drinking beer. Some of these guys are smoking pot, you know, but everybody's just chill hanging out. And they want you there. You know, it's, it's, and there's no, at least for me, there was no judgment, even though I told these guys straight up, I was like, guys, I haven't painted in forever. Like, it sounds like they were, you know, like, uh, had, had a level of like maturity and confidence in themselves and they didn't need to, they didn't need to prove anything else. Right. Right. And so you were dealing with people who, yeah, they didn't look at you as like immediate like competition or something or some kind of threat. So yeah. they were maybe that's why they were more welcoming. So you you kind of you kind of finally found like a group of people who weren't super competitive and like you know looking at you as uh you know somebody that they had to you know compete with or you know so it was a whole different kind of uh mentality basically it seems it sounds to me. Yeah, it, it's funny because I feel like in this you know could be another topic at some point. Um, I think in the art world, uh, in some ways, uh, there's, there's, there's some competition, uh, there's some bitterness, you know, oh, yeah, there's sure. a lot of, there's, there's judging, there's this, there's that. Um, but with, with these guys, no, it was like paint, let's paint, you know, yeah, and I think even, I think, it was about. yeah. And I think even at one point, you know, uh, Nick even came up to me at one point and he's like, get in there, man, do this, do this. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, so, so it was like, it's kind of like what I do with people. Like people will ask me, they'll say, um, you know, can I ask you how you do this? And, and I'm from the school of thought of, uh, if I have the time and you know, and I can, yes, because I don't mind sharing a technique that I do because at the end of the day, you're not me. You don't have my hands. You don't think the way I think. So even if I show you exactly what I do, you're not going to replicate it. Yeah, yeah. You can try, but it's not going to look like I did it. And I feel like some of the guys, you know, that was their MO was just like, they're comfortable. Like, I guess what you're saying, right? That like, yeah. they're comfortable with like, I'm Nick 707. I'm legend. Um, you know, yeah. I'm lava. I'm, I'm, you know, like these guys yeah. still painted. The way that they painted, it still looked the way it looked from years earlier. That's that's the bizarre thing. Like I yeah. feel like, and I'm not. There's no dissing here. There's no judging. It's like I feel like 
I'm glad I don't paint the way that I painted years ago because if I did, <laughs> I don't think people would respect what I do now. <laughs> but with these guys, it's who they are, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that if they had changed the way they painted, you know, it wouldn't, I don't think it'd hold as much value if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. And then, so it sounds like, um, you, 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 you said five points, then your involvement with five points came kind of after that. Shortly after. Shortly after. Were kind of simultaneous? The, Were you pretty, like working pretty, with them at the same time? Well, pretty much. Cause what happened was right. Is like, I, you know, I paint with those guys and I think it was a couple of months later when it warmed up. Cause yeah. five points didn't really function high level in the cold months. Five points was really, I don't want to say seasonal, but, but really they didn't want a lot of people painting out there in the dead of winter. They'd have people that came in and painted. They, they would do things, but just in general, they didn't start, uh, you know, they weren't a hundred percent rolling all year round. So I think a couple of months later, um, is when I, is when I went out there, approached and started painting there. And so I think I'd say, yeah, 2009 was, uh, when I first painted there, but simultaneously, right, I'm going up to Inwood. It's where these walls were uptown, and I was painting with that crew, which really were like ex vandals walls because, you know, as I'm going and painting it, that's when Kukito comes out and a bunch of the other guys. But Kido was the one who asked me to be part of ex vandals, and that was a couple of years later, you know, after having kind of gone and hung out you know over time and okay so and been around it made it official <laughs> yeah i mean it was <laughs> <laughs> is there some kind of ceremony like yeah. how do they have an initiation how do they make it how do they make it official you know they, they hang you from a subway car no <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that ceremonial though maybe it should have been no, it was just, it was just really like, Hey man, you, you know, you're always hanging out with us. You're always painting with us, you know? Yeah. Were, were any of them involved also with, with the five points people with that official kind of whatever you want to call it crew or group? You know, I thought I'm trying to think how I want to answer this. <laughs> the, the bottom line is this, uh, I was hanging out there a lot, uh, each, season from 09 uh whether i was taking photos just walking around yeah. uh and i and i you know started painting a little more and then uh by 2012 it started you know amping up and um at that point uh i felt like i was part of the crew like at that, that point i was hanging out uh selling artwork on the weekends because i'd paint usually during the week when nobody was really around like you get some tour you know, get tourists come around but yeah the weekends was a shit show it's like you know you try and paint every time you turn around they would do tours there people would want to talk to you people want to stand there and take your photo it's just not the best for actually creating and getting stuff done yeah but but what i realized was is it was the best to sell work <laughs> yeah. so they let me set up a table um and in the interim you know we were trying to save the building or they were trying to save the building so i would help them yeah. you know gather signatures right, while right. people while tourists were looking at artwork and buying artwork i would ask them 
you know, just just throw one of these out, you know. Yeah. yeah. Signature's a signature, name's a name. Even if it's far away, it shows that it's a global entity. Yeah. So... Yeah, and again, for people who are listening, if you uh, we we got more into the whole five point saga in the in the previous episodes, so right. if you want to hear more about that, um, but I want to I want to get into like kind of get more towards where you're at now and your your characters, and so well, and uh, you know, so you've got this kind of so you have you have the signature character Lumpy Pumpkin, which mm-hmm. you're, which you're best known for now, right? Um, but but so what? Was like the genesis of so you have this this like you got these characters Belos, Squidlos, Medusa, Puffers. Did you start developing these characters at Five Points, and also like what, while you were with the Vandals, or did that come after that whole thing? It's or, a good question. It's it's all simultaneous. Okay. So, um, so as we'd said, um, two thousand eight. Uh, I did uh, Lumpy Bumpkin. So that was a birth of Lumpy, 2008? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was 2008. I always, say, I always want to say 2007, but I think it was 2008. I'd have to go back and... and so Lumpy's like a, what is it, adolescent now? Yeah. He's getting into the trouble, kinda like, trouble, trouble teen years. Kind of leap years, you know. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> 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 he's not a dog though so, so. <laughs> yeah 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 it's not dog years it's like right when i emphasize that so you'd, you'd you'd wanted to clarify this before lumpy is not a dog he's not a bear he's just lumpy right yeah so 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 lumpy right so i had done lumpy and like we covered a bit about you know that in, in episode in last episode but um but he wasn't going anywhere it didn't seem like he was I guess I don't, I don't know. Like he wasn't edgy enough. I don't know if you know. Oh, that's interesting. So you don't feel like he kind of took off right away with people. No, well, I did the resins. Uh, people weren't into resin; they were all into vinyl, Kid Robot, and all that stuff. So I mean, I sold out of what I had. You know, it was like twenty-five, thirty pieces. Um, and then when when he didn't catch on per se, I kind of just sidelined him uh so in the interim uh just from my mind just creating characters um so the way i create characters in general is uh everything relates to something like we had discussed Mm -hmm. last time you know i'm very pop culture driven yeah um you know whether it's you know, cartoons, animation, movies, TV, you know, that's why like I got into licensing as a day job. Cause you know, I just love the culture. Like, you know, growing up on with MTV, like real MTV, right. the first generation yeah. MTV, like, yeah. and seeing all the shows that were involved, like that whole, you know, every different culture with hip hop, with 120 minutes alternative, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. um, it's just so, so all my characters derive from a combination of, you know, just trying out different, different, you know, characters, different designs and relating to somebody or something that I know. The thing is, though, is I don't really share that information with people because I kind of look at it like, I don't know, like music, you know, and there's lyrics to a song and people want to assume that, you know, a, a, a band wrote a song about somebody. 
Like, let's say, I don't know why I'm saying this, but like Carly Simon, you're so vain. And and people think it's about X, Y, Z, but she'll never say what it's, who it's about. Right. And it's almost like it's better that way because just if you want to make it about somebody, now you make it your song. And I kind of try, I kind of look at art like that. Like to me, art is very subjective. Whether you, you love my stuff, you hate my stuff. As long as you're reacting to it, then I know you're looking at it. Yeah. And if you want to, and if you, you know, want to look at Lumpy a certain way and project Lumpy a certain way and it works for you, by all means, go for it. It's just if, yeah. if you, it's just if you're going to do something with my artwork and license it, then you got to go by what I say because he's not a dog. Don't make him like a dog. You know, yeah. like, yeah. if that makes sense. So, so, so as far as how I created the characters, <clears throat> so Belos was first. Okay. And, um, again, I have my reasons why I did a B, uh, but stylistically that was, you know, where my characters. So if you look at my different characters in the, in the line art, that's where it's going to get influenced by Keith Aaron, like the heavy black line. That's, that's kind of what I take from him. Um, steal from him. It's just that use of the thick black line. Um, so, so Belos was first. Uh, again, why name the Belos, you know, interpret that however you want. Uh, Squidlows, uh, was next. Okay. Um, but now we're on a path. Now everything kind of has the Z, you know, it's kind of like Halos, Belos, Squidlows. Um, I, I started incorporating hearts in a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I did hearts with wings, hearts, skull hearts, like, like again, all different variations. Um, I'm looking at, um, so the page that I put up in the, for the first interview we did, I put up, um, uh, pics of these characters. We got, well, with Belos is skateboards, also, um, squidlows. Right. And then, um, uh, Medusa is a denim jacket. Um, but, uh, but, but you're talking about hearts and I see the little crown with the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, like like lumpy wears sometimes, uh, right? Yeah, with 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 uh, Medusa, and also you you signed your name in this too with heart. You over the eye, you got a heart, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And then puffers. When when did puffers come around? <laughs> yeah, puffers. Um, puffers that- is kind of kind of like a. A whole lot, well, there. I mean, obviously, the stylistically, there's a lot of similarities with the characters, right? But Puffers, Puffers, kind of has their own thing going on. These little spikes, yeah, you know, these like kind of like uh, puffy lips, right? <laughs> right. Also, right. hearts. Yeah, I'm seeing the hearts too. Right, hard on the on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and they all have like these built-in halos on their head. Oh yeah. It, it, you know, like if you look at Belos and, and, you know, he's got a built-in halo, you know, on his head. Um, Puffers has a little halos built yeah. in into the head. I just love how um, there's this through line. You're going all the way back to when you got the halos name from your your grandma, mm-hmm. you know, and then how, you know, you like decades later. Yeah. You came back to that. It's like coming kind of full circle back to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and then considering kind of your ups and downs over the years with the music and then the, the custom toy design and everything. It's got to feel good to kind of re, you know, go full circle and reconnect to just kind of your roots with the, with the original, 
work you were doing out on the street. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I've thought about it over the years and, and I think, um, I do this for me now. Yeah. Whereas before, even though I did it for me, there's other people involved. Yeah. And it's not to say I'm not a team player. You know, like I'll work jobs. You got to work with people. Right. Um, <laughs> I just feel like the most success I've ever had creatively on my own, and this isn't at a day job, I'm saying, you know, doing my artwork, is when I just did it, love it, hate it. I don't really give two flying fucks. <laughs> like I do, because obviously I want to sell all work. I want people to like it, but it's not going to influence how I do something. Right. And over the years, I've had plenty of people. <laughs> I had an ex-girlfriend who would try and tell me what to do all the time with, with, oh, you should do this. You should do that. You should do this. You should do that. And I'd be like, <laughs> I just yes. give her this blank stare, like in the back of my mind going, well, I think you should shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, that sounds so harsh, but no, it's, it's like, it's kind of like these things have evolved on their own because. Yeah. And they're like, entirely your own. So you right. finally had, you finally had something that was completely your own that you didn't have anybody overseeing or trying to, yeah, give you right. input and, and you kind of came into your own with these creations. Right. So, I mean, that, that makes sense. And you know, it's not to <clears> knock anybody. And maybe, you know, maybe if I did do what a lot of artists are doing today and why well, don't say steal, I mean, like they bite, like everybody's doing, you know, Snoopy's multiple Snoopy's or, you know, Simpsons or everybody wants to be like Basquiat or people actually want to be Keith Haring, like, and not doing it their way. They want to do, you yeah. know, like... You do, you do you, you know, and, and, and if people love it, I mean, more power to you. If you want to, if you want to. Yeah, for sure. If you want to appreciate that, I'm all down with that. I'm still going to do what I do. Yeah. You know, and feel better about it that I'm doing my thing and doing my characters instead of, you know, following. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that the trend per se. And so, so with my characters, you know, over the years I, I introduced, like I'm working on new characters now. I haven't put them out there yet. Um, partially because everything is so lumpy driven and I've really gone in that direction that when I do some stuff with other characters, like I'll do drawings with, with the other characters that I've been doing, you know, for this, you know, time frame, people will look and be like, what is that? Because they're so used to me doing lumpy now, or they just got on the lumpy train, that they'll see lumpy <laughs> holding. Lumpy train. They'll see lumpy instead of holding a heart balloon. They'll see lumpy holding a belos, <laughs> you know, belos balloon or string attached to belos. Where I got that from was when I was a kid. We used to take the um the cicada bugs, you know, that they fly around and like so, they they come out of the trees every seven years or out of the ground whatever and they come oh, out yeah, of their shells yeah, and then they yeah. and make right. that noise yeah, yeah. people are like what the fuck is he doing so they make these noises anyway when we were kids we we used to take them and take the, the elastic string from your sock and tie it onto them and watch them try and fly away but they be stuck to this elastic string and you walk them around like a pet oh wow 
Never, I never heard of that. That's crazy. Yeah. Or, or, when, or we'd nail them to trees and watch them try and like flap their wings and buzz and <sighs> we were vicious kids. So, so, so remember, this is the kid that went and tagged Ozzy on a brand new white caddy. But anyway, so I take, so that's it. So Lumpy will be holding a string. Oh, the animal lover is going to come after us now. Oh, yeah. Peter's oh, going to be after oh, you. I'm done. Cicada abuse. Yeah. Is this cicada or a cicada? I, you know, tomato, tomato. Maybe it's the <laughs> accent that I, you know, I say, I say cicada and people go, it's a cicada. And I go, <laughs> I'm from the West Coast, so we didn't have, we didn't have those. I didn't really? grow up. No, I don't, I don't think they, I never, never experienced them. That's why. Those are fireflies. I never saw fireflies until I moved to the East Coast either. Really? Yeah. That yeah. is bizarre. But, I've never thought about that. Um, so yeah, so he'll, you know, so he'll hold, now you have him with the Belos and people yeah. are like, what is that? It's, it's, well, it's funny, like, uh, like, um, Lumpy's just sort of kind of taken over. Um, and you, you've talked about Lumpy as sort of how, you know, Lumpy's got his own kind of will. Yeah. He wants to manifest in certain ways. Yeah. And I, I, I saw Lumpy manifest in a very interesting place this past weekend. <laughs> Yes, you know. did. <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk about that, but you know. I mean, we could post that up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Lumpy. Since we're talking about it, we, we can post that up with, with, you know. Yeah, I think we should. We should. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because Lump, <laughs> Lump is a, such a rascal. <laughs> right. Right. We were just walking. We were just walking, doing our thing. And, yeah. and there's this red door. Oh, Lumpy loves doors. Lumpy loves entrances oh, because you know it's the idea. That's not, what I, that's not what I was referring to, though. Oh. <laughs> I was referring to earlier that night. Lumpy, Lumpy appeared on a piece of clothing. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, that was afterwards. That was afterwards. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because we were on the way to. Right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. right. Yeah. We can post that up also. Yeah, that's why I was saying Lumpy's a rascal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I. I mean. I mean. I had to. I guess I had to draw him. But yeah. No. That was all him. Yeah. Yeah. I and just, <laughs> people are going to think, "What the hell are you talking about? Red door? Wait, not red door. Yeah. The. Yeah. the but the door thing. Yeah. Oh, he loves entranceways because it's a passage. It's just like, yeah. what's on the other side? Yeah. And also mirrors too. Mirrors, because it's a reflection. Yeah. People can see themselves in Lumpy. All right. Yeah. He loves mirrors. He loves <clears throat> doors. And when given the opportunity, <laughs> clothing is, yeah. you know, and, and, and specific. Yeah. So I don't want to say too much because I think this should be the surprise. Yeah. So, so, uh, so listeners, please uh, <laughs> refer to the page on Interlocutor. You'll see exactly what we're talking about. Um, two manifestations of Lumpy. In his, you know, uh, well, we know he loves doors. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you'll see the other, the other place he decided to manifest. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> You're like, how'd you forget about that? I'm like, ask Lumpy, man. That's, that was good. That was a good one. How do you feel like your other characters feel about Lumpy's like to kind of taken over? Do they have internal battles? I, you know, I think so. That's funny. That's going to revolt. Well, no, because I think that um, it. So I have a lot of drawings that I've you know done in my sketchbook. Um, and and lately, uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to kind of tie them in together. Because realistically, it's like 
there's the halos with here world. Hence your B lows, your squid lows, your puffers, your Medusa, yeah. your, you know, yeah. your hearts, et cetera. And then there's lumpy. Yet I do drawings like I've had lumpy holding B lows. I've had lumpy holding a puffers. You know, but not vice versa. They don't like puffer like like Belos doesn't hold lumpy or. Oh no! Yeah, so lumpy is kind of the dominant. Lumpy is the dominant. <laughs> Lumpy's lumpy's a dominant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I I, I feel I, like you could do a whole like uh, psychological evaluation of how these characters are like functioning within you and how why why lumpy's taken over and, and right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. Well, like I said, you know that. <laughs> Every character is a manifestation of something in my life. And, and yeah. in, in the Halos Was Here world, we'll call it, uh, all those paintings that I did during that time frame uh, and scenes and everything, there's stories in there. There's stuff happening in there. It's not just like, oh, he did a drawing with, you know, two Belos, a Medusa, and some Squidlos. It's like... There's something going on there, and it's whether or not the viewer looks at it and makes something of it, or they just sit there and look at it and go, oh, he just threw these characters on a page and that's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, man. Uh, we may have to do part three with this. There's so much. Uh, because <laughs> I wanted to touch on, you did a, you did a, uh, so this is Banksy hotel piece at the Carlton Arms Hotel. It's from 2011. Yeah. And this is kind of like in the early, still kind of the early days when you were, um, you know, evolved with X-Vandals and also sounds like right before or during Five Points. But anyways, how did this happen? What is this exactly? So, so... That's that's during a time frame when uh I am uh painting at five points, not 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 the amount that I was in towards the end of twenty twelve and into twenty thirteen when whitewash happened. Um so I was going out there doing my doing my own thing, um meeting people at galleries and, and I found out about this hotel, the Carlton Arms, uh that is an artist hotel, meaning uh, every floor, every wall, every yeah, room right. is has has artwork on it is painted. Um, so it's all murals, and it's not necessarily all graffiti. Um, and people actually stay there. And there's different types of rooms. Like some rooms have their own bathroom. Other rooms are just rooms, and then there's a bathroom with a shower at the end of the hall. Um, so different artists, different people paint there over the years, and. Uh, Banksy knows those guys and would paint yeah. there and would stay there. Like when he'd stay in New York and he'd sell his artwork. Now, this is during a time frame before he started doing the stencil stuff that he's world famous for. He was doing a lot of cartoony stuff. He mm -hmm. was hand painting stuff. He was hand painting characters. It wasn't all spray paint and stencils. Mm -hmm. um, if you go to the hotel... Unless you know what you're looking for, you won't find it because they've painted over his name so that people don't come and, and you know, try and take it or do anything to the artwork. Uh, there is a Banksy room that I think the room is still there. So they had this wall on the main floor right across from where you check in. And there's it's a hallway and there's Banksy pieces there. And for years they had this section that was left white 
and it was part of the Banksy piece. Like it was, you know, it was left white on purpose. And my understanding is that it was up to him if somebody could paint there. Yeah. And who paints there. And so they, yeah. So they, they, um, they came to me one time and said, Hey, we got a wall if you want to paint it. And I was like, okay, what wall? And they said, the Banksy wall. And I said, what do you mean? You paint over the back? And they said, no, you're going to paint next to it. Like, like at the end of it, that yeah. white section. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of fucking cool. Cause it's right there at the entrance. Like, yeah. like you come in, you sign in, you hang out. That wall is right there. And is this Medusa? That is, yeah, that yeah. is all. So, so that's, uh, all the halos stuff. I want to mention, um, everything that we're talking about, uh, I'm going to put up on the page for this episode. Um, a, a lot of these, a lot of these images are, are already up on the, the original page for the original episode we did anyways, but I'll do it again. So people have a reference because there's a great shot here of what you did side by side with your piece and also saying halos was here at the bottom with Medusa and then the Banksy piece. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because if you look <clears> at that, you wouldn't know that that's Banksy. I don't think I you I guess would. not. No, you're right because it isn't kind of – I wouldn't immediately think Banksy looking at that. It doesn't right. – yeah, it's not like what you were talking about. Uh, but that is kinda, that is Banksy. Now. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. All right, cool. Yeah, no, I just wanted to definitely yeah, yeah. mention that. Um, yeah, we're kind of running out of time. Unfortunately, there was more I wanted to ask you about kind of, I mean, just let's briefly touch on where you, where you want to go with this. Like, do you want to get back into doing, uh, custom, uh, designs like toy designs? You have a resin, uh, of, of, uh, lumpy, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, how, actually how many do you, of those do you have right now? So I've got a few. Okay. People always ask me. And so what I've finally decided, um, <laughs> Lumpy's decided he's going to procreate and Lumpy has decided that, um, there will be, there will be, uh, a small batch of Lumpy's <laughs> up for adoption, a litter, a litter of Lumpy's for a nominal fee. So this isn't like, this isn't like, oh, hit, hit him up and you get a free lumpy. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if you go to, you know, if you go and adopt a, a dog, they turn around and they say, well, you got to pay for the shots. <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, when, 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 when it's, when the time is right, which, which should be in the near future, uh, there will be some lumpies available again, um, do you, do you but wanna, not a lot. There do you want to try to associate with, um, you know, like not necessarily, you know, like Kid Robot itself, but like another uh, design firm, um, you know, uh, in terms of, like in, in ways to kind of expand the reach of Lumpy and, and your other characters? No, I'm not. Or start your own shop? Because, you know, like, yeah. you know, we talked about in the first episode, uh, Keith Herring's pop shop is a big kind of whoa moment for you when you saw that absolutely um you know do you envision having something like that or putting up like a pop-up you know just based on your own work somewhere i don't know if you've done that yet or like what was just basically what's your kind of near near future vision for going forward with all this it's a great question i don't think um 
I'm not saying it wouldn't happen, but I'm not thinking, you know, retail like he did with Pop Shop. Okay. Although I love that concept. I thought it was fucking brilliant, and I'm surprised that they couldn't keep that afloat um, or didn't want to keep it afloat because I think, you know, with all the stuff that's out there now, they probably could have. Um, or maybe he didn't want it. Maybe there was a time frame. But regardless, um, I have a few ideas uh, of how I'd like to manifest product. Of course, one of them might be an online shop. Uh, but but bringing it back to to even getting to that point is um, I definitely would like to create a line of product for Lumpy. Um, you know, T-shirts, hats, bags, um, you know, appar- yeah. apparel just in yeah, general. Right. And then some other stuff. Uh, okay, know, and, cool. then, and, and then, of course, you know, there's the resins. But yeah. I don't, you know... One thing I, you know, just say this real quick about Kid Robot that I learned about, and maybe this is a reason why it didn't work out. Maybe this is part of the universe is one thing I've been told, at least from a lot of designers, and I won't say who they are, but they don't pay you well. I mean, Kid Robot doesn't even exist here. Now there's like super plastic and zones. But my understanding is that they didn't pay their artists. Hmm. They gave them product to sell. So it's like, here's a crate, whatever. Here's so many pieces. You sell them, that's your money. It wasn't like, you know, some big payday. Yeah. So um, I think I've got enough interest, you know, if I want to put some some lumpies out there. Oh, yeah, I think so. You know, I, I can I could probably, you know put them up for adoption <laughs> and, they'll, and they'll, and they'll find a new home. Yeah. Um, but, but they do take a lot of time and it's yeah. not something that I want to, you know, spend a lot of time on. And as far as, you know, manufacturing, it, it costs a lot of money to manufacture, Yeah, you know, and, and I don't think I'm at that point where I have, you know, 10,000 buyers out there. You know, and I don't even know if I want 10,000 of them out there because I think. That's going to kind of become like an, an like, I don't know, like a, it seems to me what I'm getting is you're, 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 you're comfortable with where you're at right now too, with what you're doing. Yeah. And it's, and it's like satisfying to you. And if you try to turn it into some kind of little industry, then it then becomes a whole, there's all these other levels to it. Right. Yeah. You know, and then you got to, it's more of a business thing. It's more of a job and, you know, and that's, if you don't really want that, if you don't, you, you know, what in entrepreneurial like that or industrious like that, that's, that's not a problem. You right. know, people, I think, um, this goes back to just, you know, kind of commentaries, commercial art world in general, just like, Selling art, selling your art, you know, and be, you know, making your name by how much you sell, you know, and right. commercialization. And, you know, obviously that's kind of where I was angling towards and I'm asking you a question, where are you going next with this? Cause yeah. everybody's thinking, you know, and, and it's just the, the capitalist mindset really. It's like, oh, well you gotta, you gotta, you gotta capitalize on this, you know, right? Yeah. And I, yeah. and that's, that's part of what, you know, getting back to my, you know, one of my exes, she, she, she was all about that. And I don't, again, I don't slag that. It's, but it's kind of like right now it's artwork. Even if, you know, I, I put, you know, a handful of so many up for adoption, they're all done by hand. 
like they're all cast by hand. They're all hand painted. Yeah. Yeah. They really are. It's like procreation. It's like, huh. it's not like, it's not like here's, here's, you know, the factory and you pump them out and you put them out there. Well, and also the way that you phrase it, putting them up for adoption. It's not, yeah, putting them on the marketplace or right. selling them. Right. Yeah. So it, I think so, that's pretty telling about, you know, how you think of it. Yeah. So to me, it's, it's, you're still buying a piece of artwork. Now, how you want to treat it, that's up to you. You know, Lumpy, so Lumpy is, you know, put a little lump in your heart. But yeah. when I first did Lumpy, and I don't think we talked about this, you know, when I first did Lumpy, everybody was like, you know, the vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. Lumpy's phrase, and still on that side of it, is Lumpy is the toy that doesn't do anything. <laughs> Some people will be like, what the fuck does that mean? Be like, it's a toy that doesn't do anything. Just, just, just go with it. That's it. That's what it says on the box. Like he'd be in this little Chinese takeout container with the label. And it'd say, Lumpy Bumpkin, the toy that doesn't do anything. And people just... Huh. I love it. <laughs> they'd sit there baffled. I'd be like, don't be baffled. Just... just well, just, that's... Boom, there he is. I mean, most just, toys don't like, quote unquote, do anything anyways. Right. No, but people... Right. But if you take... But if you get a G.I. Joe doll, all of a sudden he does something. All of a sudden he's fighting a war. All of a sudden he's maybe trying to hook up with Barbie, like your sister's Barbie doll, whatever. Like he, he's doing something with Lumpy. Yeah. It was like, he doesn't do anything. Except now, <laughs> Lumpy does do a lot of shit. But, but, but it's yeah. different, if that makes sense. So, I so. Yeah. so as far as like moving forward, yeah. Um <laughs> Any listeners out there, at some point, you know, the game will be on and, you know, the adoption process will be, will be available. All right. Um, you know. A lumpy adoption agency. Yeah. I'm working on some other stuff. I don't want to, you know, not to sound secretive, but stuff that when it's ready. Yeah. It'll be out there. I have considered, you know, quote unquote, like a Shopify or something like that. Because a lot of people lately have been asking, like, do you have an online store an online presence and yeah yeah i mean I, I i was gonna kind of well i was thinking about asking you that but i thought yeah. well, he's got a reason he doesn't probably at this point no i i you know i i just don't think websites are a thing anymore i really don't think so yeah that's well no i think you're right that's the point you know a lot of people have i guess shops through instagram if they want to go that route or yeah. through through facebook even um I'm guessing I don't do TikTok, but I'm guessing maybe through TikTok. Well, you can sell through those through social media platforms directly, anyways. It sounds right. Like, yeah. See, I think you could sell through them, and I yeah. and, and people I know they'll get a Shopify and they'll post it up on their Instagram or something. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I think that might be a step that I take. Well, when you take that step, you know, uh, yeah, give me a heads up, and you know, we can. Uh, you know, re maybe repost the interview, uh, and, you know, I can post something for interlocutor too, you know, um, because once, once you, you go that route and, you know, getting lumpy on the world and people adopting lumpy and having a way to do it, you know, um, they want to, they want to learn more about it, learn, learn more about the evolution of, you know, lumpy and, uh, um, you know, lumpy's vessel, who is you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if people want to see, I, I haven't done it yet. I was supposed to have done it already, but um, it will happen shortly. Uh, Lumpy will be manifesting uh, a new mural out at Welling Court. Orland Court. At Welling Court. Or, Welling Court. Welling Court. Yeah, okay. in Astoria. Okay. So that's that's they're actually doing a festival 
this weekend. Um, but I don't paint during festivals. <laughs> I need the dislumpy. So, so it should have been done already, but it, it'll happen. It'll happen soon. Okay. And then once that happens, uh, if people want to go out there, what's, what's funny is, is this happens every year. And right about this time, for some reason, people go out there, see the old mural, think it's a new mural, take pictures, post it up and link me to it. And then I tell them, oh, that's cool that you just saw this because in a week it's going to be gone. <laughs> and they don't realize it's been there for a yeah, year. Yeah, You know, and then there was one that was there because through, through all the COVID, but, but yeah. Well, you know, so, um, people listening, uh, so your Instagram is, is Kid Lou NYC. Yeah. So people, to, you know, if you're curious about updates. Check that out too. And Lumpy has his. Yeah, it's just at Lumpy Bumpkin altogether. Yeah. Um, so yeah, check check out both of those for updates and see the progress of Lumpy's uh, next next stage <laughs> of taking over taking over the world. Um, it's like Pinky in the Brain. <laughs> Pinky in the Brain might be like you know. Have you ever seen Pinky in the Brain? No, I haven't. Oh. Animaniacs. Uh, See, this is that whole pop culture. Yeah, yeah. Sonomaniacs was was basically um, like a sidebar to you know to like Looney Tunes, and, okay, and uh, you know Warner Brothers, and these you know Yakko Wacko Dot and the three characters, and uh, there's a sideshow. It's kind of like all these like Looney Tunes, right? Everyone would have like these sideshows, like Bugs Bunny had like Roadrunner Coyote was like the sideshow in there, right? Oh, okay. So, so Animatics had Pinky in the brain and it's these two mice and it's their whole thing is to take over the world. What era is that from? This would have been the 90s. Oh, okay. Late All 80s, right. early right. 90s. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s. But yeah, so, uh, so yeah, to rule the world. and and there's pinky and then there's the brain and pinky's like uh, and the brain is like the he's too good for he's too smart for himself (laughs) it might be a little of that and lumpy just subconsciously who knows what's gonna happen you know i think it's gonna be interesting for for lumpy to it's gonna be fascinating progression to see where (laughs) where lumpy goes (laughs) because you can't predict it and lumpy's just kind of working through you it sounds like right yeah Yeah. sort of speaking to you whispering in your ear i mean you've seen it firsthand so yeah yeah (laughs) i can't believe i I forgot that that is so funny (laughs) but yeah yeah that yeah yeah once again listeners uh take a look at the page (laughs) you'll you'll see what we're talking about (laughs) it was a it was a lovely evening (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was fun yeah yeah it, it was yeah. great you know lumpy looks forward to the next uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i'm you sure know. he does <laughs> well hey it was great talking with you again same yeah once again kid lou and also thanks to those of you out there listening uh you can check out the online edition of interlocker magazine at interlockerinterviews.com check for updates on instagram at interlockier.interviews also follow us on youtube at interlocker interviews and once again if you're a fan of our arts coverage you can sign up to be a subscriber or throw a few bucks our way via patreon just click on the patreon link on our site and i will be back soon with another interlocker interviews podcast episode